To another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we've got a good amount of news to get to. So we'll start with that in the front half, as we usually do. We've got a commitment to talk about, some, of course, coronavirus and college football news to get into. Uh, and then in the back half of the show, similar to the last episode where we kind of broke down um, comments from head coach Paul Chris and athletic director Barry Alvarez. We've got some uh, audio from Eric Burrell and Cole Van Lannen from last week uh, where they kind of talked about the situation ongoing uh, around the Big Ten, around coronavirus, around college football, uh, and the lack of the season for those guys. So interesting stuff. I think uh, stuff that the fans will kind of agree with and want to hear. So we broke that down. We'll have some audio clips in there uh, as well. Uh, Pretty much the same premise as the last episode. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing good. Ready to uh, talk a little uh, Badgers and really just everything that's going on across the Big Ten. At least there's some positive news to break down with uh, the commitment. But uh, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, just surviving. Uh, you and I were talking about it earlier, surviving puppy life. So if you guys hear any uh, yaps or, or barks in the background, that would be uh, my, my new little boxer puppy that is right now sleeping during the episode. But uh, that could change. Uh, in a moment's notice. So hopefully not, uh, but uh, we'll see. But so far, so good Um, and excited to talk about uh, some more college football. Thankfully, we can uh, start with the positive and then we'll get into the rest of the stuff. So uh, with that said, you ready to get into our news of the day? Let's do this, man. Here's what's happening. All right, Badger fans, we'll start with the positive, and that is a commitment from Skylar Bell, a three-star receiver out of the Taft school in Watertown, Connecticut. Uh, on tape, about 6'1", 185. Tape uh, really shows um, uh, some strong promise in here uh, for, for Skylar Bell. 6'1", but can really go up after the uh, after the ball, uh, I thought, from what I saw in, in his tape. Uh, a good receiver that can get you over the top, but also uh, you know go across the middle. Kind of has a little bit of everything in his game, which is exciting. I know Graham Mertz tweeted about uh, his excitement. A lot of the other commits tweeted about the excitement for getting him. So really uh, a big win uh, for Alvis Witted uh, to start out as, at his uh, uh, place and, and tenure and position as the wide receiver coach. So, Matt, what did you make of, of the Skylar Bell commitment and, and just how big of a get is that for the Badgers? I think it's a big get. The Badgers have really been behind the eight ball ever since Elvis Whitted came on just because of the sudden change in wide receiver coaches. Um, ever since Whitted came on, really, Bell has been the number one guy. I remember Drew and I actually, um, when we did our Build-A-Badger, we put in uh, Skylar Bell as the wide receiver that they, we thought that they would get well before uh, Elvis Whitted was even um, – on the staff. So that was kind of a nice little uh, win for us because we kind of took a chance on guessing that they would get him well before they offered or anything. So that was kind of cool. But I mean, if you remember back uh, episode 160, we actually talked with him. So if you want, you can kind of hear what he had to say about the Badgers back earlier in his recruitment. That was back in June. But I think it's a huge win. They got him over other uh, power five offers of like Georgia Tech, Iowa, who is really the, the head to head favorite with the Badgers, Northwestern, Rutgers, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Wake Forest, and, and West Virginia. So uh, you also look at Notre Dame and Penn State. We're starting to communicate with him as well, and, and he's he's got some talent. He can do a little bit of everything. I like uh, his, his vertical jumping. He can jump over 40 inches, which is really good, uh, and he's got good hands, and he's elusive after the catch. So I think he's he's a the type of guy, like you said, at 6'1", he's got good size, um, and I think his basketball background gives him plenty of um, intrigue uh, for Badger fans to keep and, and grab onto because I think he's, well, he's only, or I think he's the second lowest commit from the, like, 247 composite. I think he definitely has some big upside when you consider the fact that he hasn't played 
Um, great competition out in the Northeast, but he really pops on tape. Yeah, he does. His tape was very impressive. You know, uh, you brought up our interview and conversation with him. I thought in that he was he was very mature and uh, well spoken. I know uh, we interview a lot of high schoolers on this uh, on this show, and and some um, sound like a high schooler, some sound like a very well spoken, uh, much older uh, kid and player, and and he was definitely. Uh, the latter and that, and I think it just shows that his maturity is there to, I, I think he'll be a really exciting piece of that wide receiver room. Uh, probably will pair, pair well with a guy like Chimere DK, uh, who came into the most recent class. You you land a guy like him that one can be on the outside, one can maybe be on the inside, and you've you've got a nice little combo there. So definitely exciting um, for the bat, for the Badgers in the, in the Big Ten. You know, everyone was worried about uh, recruitment and, and transfers and how all this would shake out with with COVID but thankfully as a, a player in a future class hopefully his uh you know playing time with Wisconsin doesn't get impacted too much because he's a great player and uh, I'm I'm excited to see what he can do on on the field because you can really see uh, a really high ceiling I think is a good way to put it for Skylar Bell that he may not be uh you know flashy in terms of the stars and the ratings but I think his game and his tape from what you see is is much higher than than what the ratings elude. And that's what Wisconsin does really well is, is get players that maybe 247 and, and other huge colleges don't uh, see as the, the cream of the crop. Uh, but the Badgers do their diligence and, and go after the players that they want. And, and a lot of the times that ends up working. I think Skylar Bell is uh, a, a, a just another example in that long line of, of success by Wisconsin. Yeah, and I think it's pretty telling that just how highly sought after he was by the staff. He was a priority from the jump once Wittig kind of got his recruiting board settled. And really, you saw all of the commits going after him hard. You saw the staff going after him hard. So a way for them to kind of catch up and make so much um, uh, headroom in in that uh, race for him, it seemed like he was going to definitely commit to Iowa just – few months ago and for the Badgers to really get into that race and close on on such a high value target for them might even be the only wide receiver they end up taking uh, in this class. I think it, it really makes a big difference and it, and it once again shows that, hey, um, the Badgers have a, a good thing going with this class regardless of however um, things end up being rated, rated according to the various sites. I think uh, Badger fans should be happy with, with a win. Anytime the Badgers really want a kid, uh, it's usually a good sign. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. Um, he, they, like you said, we've we've said it time and time again on the podcast. Uh, they do their homework. They go after the guys that they want, and, and when they land them, it's a uh, it's a big get. So I, I think it'll be a, a nice strong addition uh, to that class and a nice win for Elvis Wade to get that under his belt. Uh, win over a priority kid. He wasn't a guy that the, the staff just was was hoping for. They were really going after hard. So it's a uh, a nice gain uh, on that regard. All right, our next piece of news, of course, is around the coronavirus and the Big Ten and the debacle and saga that it has turned into. Uh, and we'll start with the petition from from Justin Fields. Uh, I haven't looked at the latest number of uh, signatures, but it's been... 250 uh, plus. Sorry, what was that? Over 250,000. It just went yeah. over that just minutes ago. Wow. So I first to, to, to start this, I, I kind of applaud Justin Fields for this. And I know Badger fans, you never want to uh, applaud Justin Fields, but it's a little bit bigger than just a game on the football field. But he's 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 really months away from from cashing a nice check, no matter what happens this fall and this spring. He's going to be a guy that was the number probably the number two rated quarterback in the NFL draft behind Trevor Lawrence a guy that has has all the tools to to really be successful uh, at the next level where he could have just packed it in and said, you know what, season's over, I can go ahead and train for the NFL, I'll be a, a high draft pick, I'll, I'll make my money, and I'll, I'll move on to the next uh, phase of my life. But he has not done that at all. You know, similar to Trevor Lawrence, I applaud both of them for doing that. Um, but you're really starting to see some momentum behind uh players and and parents really trying to get the Big Ten to reverse this situation. Don't know if it's going to happen. It might be a moot point, but I think it just goes to show that there's a lot of people out there that are backing this and and hoping for it. So what did you make of of this story and and this petition really, really taken off uh, since it first came out? 
I, I think it's pretty wild. Just uh, 250,000 signatures in just a day is is pretty pretty big time. That's a that's a lot of momentum. Now I think it's going to take an awful lot to reverse course and to change anything. I think it's all but um, signed, sealed, and delivered. But but like you said, I think it's it's very telling that this, this uh, young man who really, like you said, he's going to be the first or second pick in the draft regardless of what happens come spring or comes a fall season. He is, he is probably going to be the first or second pick. He is the, the two of them, Justin Fields and, um, and uh, gosh, the quarterback, Trevor uh, Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um, and Trevor Lawrence, they came in with such high regard as, you know, the top of the board quarterbacks, transcendent type guys in their class. And, they, they're continuing to prove that off the field as well. Um, I, I don't know if this changes anything, but but you see that paired with there's also a petition going around by by uh, parents going on uh, started at by Penn State, and there is there is a lot of division within the Big Ten right now, and it's not a pretty look when you think of everything that has kind of transpired over the past week. Um, I know we both talked about it at nauseum last show about how it wasn't a great look for the Big Ten, not because we didn't think that, hey, it might end up being the right decision and that it might have been the right decision at that moment. Um, and it still might be the right decision. But it, that doesn't change the fact that the way that the news was unrolled didn't look great and that there wasn't a lot of transparency behind it. Um the interviews we had with the players uh, last week kind of talked a little bit about that. Um, so you'll hear kind of what they had to say about it. But, yeah, it's just uh, kudos to them for for doing what they can, even though, um, you know, it's going to be a real real uphill battle here. Uphill battle is, is a great way to put it. And I think it's it's definitely telling of, like we said, what what everybody else and, and the people that are, are signing it are kind of thinking um, so I, I am excited for people to hear what, uh, what others have to say, you know, Eric Burrell and Cole Van Lannon here a little bit because they, they maybe didn't have a petition or anything like that. Uh, I'm sure both of those guys probably went and signed Justin Fields position, uh, petition, but they, they kind of had the same message of, uh, they, they just wanted answers. They were, a little, you could, you could sense the frustration in there. So, uh, I think it, it speaks really well for the, the collective majority and, and it'll probably be for naught. I don't see a, a situation where this gets turned around. Uh, but I, I applaud that people are still going on without a fight and, and trying to at least get answers, get some sort of uh, resolution to make this kind of make more sense. Because in the Big Ten, it's it's been a, a cluster. And I, maybe I've just missed it, but there hasn't been as much backlash uh, from, from what I've seen from the Pac-12 because they were a little bit more transparent. They said, you know, here's our data, here's why, here's what we're going to do, um, and and they went with it. The Big Ten, it sounds like, and we'll talk about it a little bit more here in a second, but it sounds like uh, the nobody really knows <laughs> who made the the final decision uh, on that regard. So definitely uh, something to 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 keep note of, and we'll see how many signatures they get. The more, of course, the better. The more attention gets. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all kind of plays out. Uh, and going off of that, we'll go into our next piece of news. Uh, saliva Direct uh, was a test approved by the FDA. Uh, basically, it's a saliva test to test for coronavirus. can be churned out much faster. Uh, I believe the costs are much lower. The NBA has been using it, uh, and it just got approved uh, by the FDA in emergency use. So definitely a, a lot of people calling this a, a game changer. Uh, when it comes to sports outside of, of really a bubble, you know, you look at college football, you look at Major League Baseball. These are two sports that have to be done in a you know home stadium setting and, and travel involved. Uh, and uh, from what we've seen in, in the returning sports, that is a, a, a much bigger risk of, of cases and transmission. So to have more testing available at, at a cheaper cost is going to be a good thing for uh, not only the big schools, but little schools who are playing that, that need to be able to afford these things to have protocols in place. So uh, what do you make of this? Because it, it sounds like from everybody who, who knows the ins and outs of in the medical field says this is a pretty big deal and, and could really be a, a, a big positive as we move forward into you know month six of the coronavirus and trying to get be, beyond it. But uh, definitely a, a something that's that's important as we as we move forward here. 
Yeah, I think it's it's huge, not only for uh, sports, but also just the country in general. I know that this was something that the NBA worked closely with Yale on to, to get um, going just so that they could test quicker and, and well as uh, cheaper. And really, those are the two things that this test is uh, supposed to kind of jump over some stumbling blocks that have kind of ran into um, and slowed down some things. So it looks like this test is going to be a, a hell of a lot cheaper. So anywhere between like four to ten dollars to do it, which is a lot cheaper than current testing. It's it's not as uh, it's not as uncomfortable, you know, where you're not scratching your brain essentially here to try to get to it. You're looking at uh, it being much more quickly discernible. So there's a quick turnaround of, of only a couple hours. I think it was like four hours maybe that you could get that information back quickly. So um, players could could take the test, um, quarantine for four hours and know right, right then and there. So it's it's definitely something that I know that the Big Ten really had wanted to have prior to um, competition. And then they, that was part of the reason that they had held back supposedly. Who knows at this point, because there hasn't been that transparency we talked about. But I think just for sports in general, this is huge moving forward because it makes teams have the means to do quicker testing um, for a larger amount of people. And for all of us as just the general public, it's also good because it's going to allow uh, for more rapid testing than waiting, uh, you know, multiple days to hear back on your test. Um, and, and so it's, it's really, it's, it's a promising thing and hopefully that it, it works moving forward. That's the biggest thing is, is, like you said, hopefully it works because that can that can really be a a game changer for all phases of society if it does. Um, I don't know. I've had a couple friends and family who've taken the other uh, COVID tests and and they said it's it's not fun, uh, especially the one there where they are are sticking stuff up your nose. So if you were able to uh, get a test that's cheaper, easier for people to take, more readily available. Uh, I think it'll be a really nice spin, and it'll be interesting to see the the impact that it has on sports as we move forward here. Uh, because I know NBA, the NBA was was very much behind it and and trying to get this uh, test off the ground to to make their lives easier, and it's going to make hopefully everybody's lives easier because that's what we need is is more tests. Uh, eventual ba- vaccine. I, I I don't know anything about that, or you know, didn't want to pretend like I do, but uh, that's going to be something that uh, is really going to help change this thing around, both in the sporting world and in uh, in in the world. And it's something we need, so hopefully we can continue uh, to have those as we move forward here. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's just a win-win as long as as long as things continue trending with with that test in a positive way. It's a win-win for the general public as well as athletics in general. Most definitely. All right, guys. The next piece of news is one that makes me want to pound my head against a wall uh, as a Big Ten fan and a uh, Badger fan. Uh, but uh, news came out today that uh, Penn State Athletic Director Sandy Barbour, I hope I said that name right, uh, says she is unsure if there was a vote by Big Ten presidents to cancel the season. And I guess as uh, many other people around the league thought that there was a clear vote and there was kind of a, a unanimous decision in place. But uh, it's clear that there's there's been a couple sources now that have said they aren't they're not saying that there wasn't a vote, but it. It's not a clear message that there was. So the Big Ten continuing to kind of trip her over its own feet. The the messaging has been very poor. Um, the unity, which is normally something that the, the Big Ten has had um, in, in very strong numbers, just clearly isn't there. So what do you make of this story that, that literally the athletic directors of one of the most prominent schools in the conference don't even know if there was an actual vote? Uh, you would think that they would, you know, Sandy Barbar and, and Barry Oliver as guys who would be very well in tune with the decision. But similar to what Barry said last week, it didn't sound like the communication between presidents and, and Kevin Warren to the athletic directors and coaches was was very strong, which is frustrating because uh, those are the people that are you know on the front lines with the with the athletic department. Yeah, and ultimately, this is something that presidents are making that decision. Uh, Kevin Warren's making that decision. But uh, I would think that the other stakeholders would have a have a say or a seat at the table uh, within this, especially athletic directors, because they work usually so hand in hand with presidents when it comes to the athletic department. 
So I, to hear her comments and to see that put out there is kind of, uh, like you said, bang your head against the wall. It it's, it's really makes you question kind of what was going on and, and really what actually happened. I, I've also seen things where, um, what was the vote 12-2 like was originally said, or was it 8-6, or was there no vote? Um, I know that that was something that um, someone put out about from, I think it was the Minnesota athletic director, and she said, it, well, it wasn't really a vote as much of it was just an understanding, which is how does that work? How do you know an understanding between a group of individuals unless there was a vote or unless everybody had kind of gone through and said their piece and we're all aligned? So it's it's just it's one of those things that's kind of a head scratcher right now. I'm sure there's going to be more information that will continue to trickle out, but but definitely not a great look for the Big Ten. It's kind of been a PR mess here for a while this past week. I, I just really think postponing things and really making sure that you had everything tightened up and and that your presentation was going to be as good as possible would have been the best move. And uh, that obviously wasn't the move that the Big Ten went with. Yeah, I think that's uh, the good point is is that the, the Big Ten just did not seem to have a, a clear plan in place that would uh, allow them to have their messaging, you know, coordinated. This is our decision, and and this is what we're doing, and and we're going for it. And this is why, you know, who, what, when, where, why is is a cliche uh, thing, but it's it's important. It gives people the answers that they want. And I think there's a lot of people that are frustrated that the season's been canceled in in general, but at the same time, there's probably even more people that are frustrated that the season is canceled, and we aren't really sure. We all know why, but we don't really know who made the decision what went into the decision and and how the decision was made. And I think for me personally, I, I get why the the Big Ten has, has made this decision. I get why the Pac-12 did it. I get why other schools are considering it. I think everybody does. We know that there's a dangerous disease out there, but we also want to have answers as to what was the process to get to this point. Were there any other options that were considered how did we get here? And, and then you can just move forward. But when you don't have those answers, it, it really leaves you scratching your head and, and wondering well, why and, and who made these decisions. Because right now it sounds like nobody's really sure and, and someone had to make the call. So uh, who did it and, and what they kind of based it off of would be would be really important for, I think, a, a lot of fans and players and coaches. And I think they deserve that, uh, you know, that they, they deserve the answers that they're looking for. Yeah, and that's that's in talking in hearing from both Barry, as well as Paul Christ, as well as Cole Van Lannen and Eric Burrell, there was a central tenant of, we don't know, like they didn't have all the information. They weren't spoken to directly about the decision. It wasn't their decision. And and that's that's kind of frustrating. And and I think for, for me, I'm fine with the, the selection to cancel it. I'm not going to fight tooth and nail for it. I, I really would prefer there's a season. I love college football. It's by far my favorite thing in any part of the year. But that isn't going to mean that if, if I think that, hey, it's in the best interests of our country or a group of people, that so be it. But I think the way that the news was unrolled or rolled out, I should say, and that the way it was shared, it was just shoddy. And I think that's the surprising part about it, because everybody's okay with taking bad news. People were going to be pissed no matter which direction the Big Ten made it. People were going to were going to be saying that uh, that they weren't taking the health and safety of the athletes under consideration nearly enough if they would have kept playing. They, and it would have gone the way it has if they stopped it. But if you have a clear messaging that's transparent and just tells it the way it is, things go a lot different. At least that's been my um, experience in 30 years of living on this big old ball that we called Earth. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Uh, I think you, you you hit the nail on the head that way, and uh, you just continue to you know scratch our heads and, until we get some answers, and we'll uh, hopefully get them soon. But I, I I don't know, and I can I can totally hear. Uh, like we'll talk about here in a little bit. There's a lot of frustration. You can sense it from uh, a lot of different people. All right. I know we've talked a lot about the fall season being canceled, but Jeff Brom also unveil, unveiled uh, his plan for a spring season, which was pretty, you know, when I think of Jeff Brom, I think of the XFL clip where he got his bell rung and, and 
this this plan that he laid out was was very detailed and and smart and attentive. So uh, a man of of many colors and Jeff Brom and I think his his plan uh, the eight game season. Uh, starting in the spring at, uh, I believe, the end of February and ending um, in April uh, is is really kind of well suited. He had, he had all the details ironed out, uh, clearly uh, had paid a lot of attention to this possibility. This isn't something that was just thrown together, you know, overnight. So what did you make of his plans? And uh, do you think it, it has some legs uh, behind it for a for a spring season? So wrote up an article last late last week, basically talking about what I think would go into a spring season. And it, and it kind of mirrors what Brom's saying and using kind of what Alvarez and what uh, Cole Van Landen had kind of talked about. Um, but but I think, yeah, I think he did a tremendous job of making sure and thinking things through, because really the fact that no coaches were really in on these decisions is, is kind of startling because. These are the guys who know the players best in many ways, um, have frequent conversations with them, know the ins and outs of how things need to be structured leading into um, a a fall or a spring season. And I think he really kind of broke it down into those into actual practices, talking about, hey, when you're getting ready, it doesn't mean that you have to have all padded practices so that in his plan, you're actually looking at less padded practices for the entire year making a little bit less wear and tear on players while also still getting in those games. I I still, I'm totally unsure if there's actually going to be a a way to pull off a spring season. I still think six games would make a hell of a lot more sense than eight uh, because I don't want, and I don't think anybody wants to have next fall be impacted by this. I just think you want to be able to recoup as much financially uh, athletic departments do and players want to be able to play a full season, get things back to realigned with the other power three conferences, assuming they play. Um, and really get things back to normal as, as humanly possible. So I think, I think eight games is, is a bit much. I mean, you can still, you can get up to some teams playing eight games, whether you have some postseason stuff, but, but I think six makes a lot of sense, but really you look at his plan and and how he narrowed in on a lot of things and it's really well thought out. And and it was, it's definitely something to be seen when you consider that the conference had months to put together something similar and it, and it took, Brom, after he heard the news that it was canceled a day or two and he had it all like, here's an option, just an option that we didn't even talk about this before that. Yeah. Yeah. You would wish, you would wish that the big 10 would, uh, you know, have a little bit, uh, half as much detail as Jeff Brom did because everything was, was very well done, you know, calendars and, and, divisions and, and details that were just very well thought of, not just, Hey, we want to play. Um, let's play. It, it was more of a, Hey, we want to play. Here's what, how we, we can do it. And I think that goes a long ways because everybody can sign a petition and say, and there's nothing wrong with that, but to lay out a plan like this and, and show that, Hey, this is what we can do. Maybe we can tinker it, but I'm all ears is, is really something. So hopefully they can come up with, with some way to do it. I know anyone, um, you know, everyone just wants some sort of, of college football, uh, I don't know if and when it'll happen, but if we do, uh, it'll be plans like this that need to be thought out, and, and hopefully it can it can be thought out so we can have some some enjoyment in the college football season, but also have you know uh, player safety, which I think is important and something that Jeff Brown definitely paid attention to, you know, both sides of, of that coin. Yeah, I, th- I think he did a really good job with that, and I think this is a really good starting off point for the conference to use and to model from and and to adjust. I think there's just so much uncertainty right now because of everything happening in our country that um, who knows what will actually happen, but you need to start thinking proactively moving forward, and it can't just be, well, we'll, we'll wait till January, and then we'll figure something out. It's got to be now because you have players like Cole Van Landen, like Eric Burrell, like players all across the, the country trying to figure out what's their next move, whether that be um, pursuing the NFL, whether it be um, finding a new home, whether it be just having to wait a year and train. So I think they want answers, and the quicker that those answers and eligibility concerns can, can happen, the, the better it is for the players, the better it is for the coaches, and the better it is for um, everyone really to be able to move on and and prepare for whatever that next step is. Very well said. All right. 
we'll move on from our news of the day here, guys. We're going to go ahead and kick it over to our quick couple ad reads, and then we will get into our, our breakdown of the audio from both uh, Cole Van Lannan and Eric Burrell. All right, guys, so last episode we broke down uh, the comments from Barry Alvarez and Paul Christ. Uh, Cole Van Lannan and Eric Burrell also spoke to the media late last week, so we pulled some audio clips from that that will pipe in a uh, similar structure to what we had last episode. If you didn't catch last episode, uh, go check it out. I, I think both Paul Christ and, and Barry Alvarez were, were very uh, outspoken about the situation, which uh, for Barry Alvarez, he's a guy that could – uh, sell water to a fish, and, and he's spoken really well. But Paul Christ uh, isn't really a, usually a guy um, that is is filled with many words and, and sayings. But you could clearly uh, hear uh, the passion in his voice on on what his thoughts are on the whole situation. But to hear from the players was another interesting perspective. And we'll start with kind of the Cole Van Landen breakdown. Uh, we'll we'll get to our first piece of audio, and then we'll talk about it. But Essentially, he kind of talks about just his, his conversations with teammates, you know, the the message that they had from from one another and, and is, is kind of asking for more concrete decisions in the Big Ten. So we'll go ahead and uh, we'll break that down and then we'll uh, we'll play that and then we'll break that down. Um, so like I said, like we were all pretty upset. I mean, we all really wanted to play a season, um, you know. I mean, two days out already, we're already talking spring ball, what it might look like, what we might do. Um, starting early January. So now we're all kind of excited for that now. Like we're all just kind of, like I said, positive mindset now. Um, we can only control what we can control, and that's just keep working hard. Um, we know that something's going to happen, and we hope – the biggest thing, I think, as players, is we hope it's not as wishy-washy as it's been because it's been um, very stressful, I feel like. Me personally, and I know a lot of other people, um, never getting a definite answer on anything. Um, So in that audio clip, as you can really, I think the first thing for me, you know, I've ho- I've heard Cole Van Lannan speak uh, a few times, so I, I I know his voice a little bit, and you can just kind of you can hear the disappointment, the frustration, the anger, and and confusion, it kind of in his voice, you know, it's it was definitely something where you can tell he's he's very frustrated by the decision, you know, I I believe he said you know wanting uh, less wishy washy decisions, which I think similar to what Matt and I have talked about in the, the beginning half of the show is, is something that everybody's looking for. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that the players uh, like Cole Van Landen have been outspoken about it not just, you know, taking the decision and, and this is what we're going to do. And okay, we're going to sit back. So what'd you make of uh, that initial comment from Cole Van Landen? Yeah. I mean, I think you could tell if, if as much as you can hear the frustration in him and or in his voice, as well as in Eric's voice, Really uh, watching the body language of Cole throughout it, you could tell he was not happy with it. He was getting pretty fired up as he was talking uh, through it. And, you know, I think he's in a, in a very different place than a lot of players on his team, and he's still wanting to have that spring season. So I, I think it's one of those things where they, he, he talks later on about wanting to make sure that um, – of, of, of making sure that he could talk to somebody about the decision make and making sure that his teammates and him, that they're all on the same page. They just want to move forward now and they want to get ready for a spring season, season and, and that they really, um, you know, are looking at it as an opportunity to get better and work on it with it. But, but it is, you can hear though, he, he's still not happy and wants more out of what actually was decided in terms of, of um, knowledge about how it all went down. Yeah, and I, I can't blame him. I mean, he's a guy that has big decisions to make and big things to think about, and and he can't do that until he gets some of these answers and he gets some uh these these concrete details that have have been needed for for weeks and months. Um, so I I totally get the frustration. Of course, he he's probably much more frustrated than he even let on to the media. Uh, but it was it was telling to see that you can these guys are are passionate about it and they, they're they're outspoken about it, which is what they're going to have to be to not only make the the, the decision makers be accountable uh, for the decision that they made, but also to change the the future of this sport because I think the the overall message from COVID and, and college athletes is that they're in in the social justice, everything that's going on is that their voice is, is very prominent and, and they, they need to use it and they need to be vocal about 
what they want because they're the ones that can and hopefully uh, impact some of these decisions as we as we go forward. So uh, I, I applaud him for uh, you know asking for the the lack of uh, wishy-washy details that I think uh, all those guys deserve. Yeah, and that's that's something that they didn't get, and hopefully that changes here in the future. But but really, uh, Cole is is usually pretty pretty chill with most things when he's talking, and he was he was not when we were talking with him um, just last week. All right, we'll get into our second audio clip here, and in this kind of you know he talked about having to be positive and and kind of moving forward, and uh, he laid out a little bit of a spring, which is you know. They call it. They keep calling it spring, but it's going to be a winter start uh, type season here in Wisconsin. They actually kind of laid it out and, and said, you know, I, while it's not the most ideal situation and, and he'd prefer to not be doing any of this and playing this fall in a couple weeks as normal, that the spring schedule that they seem to have talked about a little bit uh, would maybe work out for a player in his situation. So we'll play that and then we'll uh, get into the breakdown. Yeah, I mean – what they're talking is like we start early January and early March. I actually like that. Um, even for my situation, like if that were to be the case, I still would have time to train. Um, I know there's like kind of talks now the NFL might push back draft everything like that would, um, I think really benefit my situation, but I think any guy's situation, I think, um, having that earlier season. So really we're starting right when the bowl game would end. Um, but it's only like two months. You normally you have that spring ball time in there anyway, so your body kind of gets beat up then anyway. So, like, um, I think guys would have plenty of time to recover and play an actual season then in fall. So, I, as of now, I'm, I'm liking what I'm hearing for what a spring ball or, like, our spring season might be. Because, I mean, it, they say spring, but in reality it's, like, kind of winter, beginning of spring. So, it's really um, – I kind of like the concept and what they're thinking about right now. And I know other guys do too. We're pretty pumped for it. So in that one, you can kind of hear uh, he talks about a plan, you know, starting in in late January, ending in in March, uh, which would be a, a a very condensed season. You know, I probably if if they're going off of the schedule uh, that he kind of briefly mentioned, would probably be more towards the six game than the eight game uh, schedule that Jeff Brown talked about. But uh, I, I like that he is a player of his caliber I know he, he talked a little bit later I don't know if we have audio of that one in here but he talked about how he needed more uh, of his game on tape but he's still a, a top quality left tackle that would probably be drafted pretty high this spring given he had a normal year so um, again a guy that is, is very passionate about playing and is buying into the the spring football when uh, the NFL draft might be pushed back to help them but it's going to be a, a weird situation no matter what and he's a guy that could uh, stand to lose some significant gain if he doesn't play a season. Uh, so I I was interested to hear kind of his take on the spring ball. But what did you make of, of those comments uh, from, from Cole Van Lannan? Yeah, like him, I think the earlier the better in terms of a spring season, pushing it into winter gives you a, a little bit more time spaced out between uh, that fall season for guys to to get better. But, but it also makes it so that a guy like him ha- has that tape while he can also – still have some time to prep for the NFL. Um, I think you look at him, he talked, you know, very candidly when we were talking about it, he said he he needed more tape out there and that last year he wasn't a hundred percent. He was playing through injury. And, and, and we knew that, like, and we've talked about that on, at times on here, but, but really the idea of a spring is favorable to him. And I think anybody in his situation that is needing um, something else to show showcase themselves for the NFL. This is, this is important. You know, we talked about um, the Joe Burrow effect. You look at a lot of the the past multiple Heismans. These weren't guys that had um, were entrenched as, Hey, these are, these are going to be the first pick of the draft. That's not how it was. These are guys that have shot out of nowhere and made tremendous gains in a, in an off season to prepare for this moment. And, and I, I think you look at him, a kid who's really smart, really athletic, good left tackle. He could probably play guard as well at the next level if you wanted him to. I think getting that tape of him healthy and for him to showcase what he can actually do when, when he's got both of his legs and hands going going the way he wants him to uh, would be huge for him. And, and I think 
that's really what a lot of these players are really focused on is this is only they only have so much window of time to play uh, at their peak. And, and this is if they don't get that, they're missing out on it. And he 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 talks about that. Yeah, he, he talks about it, you know, kind of at length. And it's, uh, again, the, the guy that's buying into the details and, and wanting to uh, you know, not only make this decision and, and play for himself and the, you know, the tape and the impact that'll have for his career, but also you can tell that he, he wants this for his teammates and his, uh, you know, his, his family and his friends to be able to see, you know, the, see him play and see a season and, and coaches, uh, to get what they, you know, have, have, they've put in so much, you know, coaches have had just as hard a time, you know, trying to figure out game plan, trying to figure out, you know, how, how to get the offense and you know i think he mentioned in another uh part of the clip that the, the badgers kind of had 80 percent of their offense in and were really starting to click and hum uh and that's you know that's an applause to the coaches for getting that in and, and working through that despite some some real challenges with coronavirus so uh i i think uh cole van landon's passion in, in that clip was it was really something that uh, i took from and hopefully uh you know with him buying into the spring season hopefully others can and and hopefully they can you know, not just pass it off and maybe we'll play, maybe we won't. Maybe they'll actually focus this time around and, and give us what uh, we're kind of looking for. No doubt. All right, guys, our next clip uh, kind of talks about, and, and this is where if you, you wanted to hear the fiery passion from Cole Van Lannan, I think you you really got it in this one as well. Uh, but he was asked, you know, who do you want to talk to about the situation? You know, all these players have, have asked for details ask for reasons why and, and how they came to their decision, why they can, you know, practice 20 hours a week, but they can't play a game. Uh, and Cole Van Lennon kind of goes after it. So uh, we'll play that and, and then we'll, uh, we'll break down the clip a little. Who I would talk to is really like these presidents and the commissioner. I just want to know, you know, as a player, I don't even know if I'm like, we've, I've never seen our president ever, ever. Um, so for, just personally, even Wisconsin, for her to make a decision on our behalf that has no idea what's going on with us, then that to me isn't to not have the AD, our coach, us to have any say on our season when we're the ones putting in the time and we're the ones that are giving up everything to make sure this happens. The only place I would go to is a grocery store for 15 minutes with a mask on. You know, like I don't see anybody. I don't do anything besides go to the stadium and be with my teammates who I know are clean. We even had a positive in weeks, if not months. Like, if you're around people that don't have it, you're not going to get it, you know, and we are getting tested a lot now. Like the contact tracing is not there anymore. If someone's got it, you know, right away and they're out like, that's just, um, so the risk really wasn't there. I just, I, I think as all of us players um, just feel that same way. Like we just don't know why I had to get, at least I would understand like postpone it like the SEC and stuff, give it more time to see what's actually going to happen with when students come back and stuff and then cancel it. But they're canceling it before we even started. You know, you didn't even give it a chance. I mean, I think that's really frustrating for all of us players and coaches, all of us. So, I mean, like I said, you can only control what you can control, though, and it's over with. So, I mean, I, I got to just stick with a positive attitude and move on from here. A little bit further. Well, in that one, you can you can definitely uh, hear the, the fire in his voice. You know, talking about Kevin Warren, trying to understand the details of why they can can practice but not play. Talking about how he's never met or or seen the university president, and you know how can some of these people who aren't uh, you know prevalent and around the the program get to have that final say? So. I think what I took from was it a lot of good points from a guy who is in the trenches and impacted most. So what did you make of, of that, that clip from Cole? I, I think it was very telling about how many of the players are feeling at this moment. They really just want transparency. They want openness. They want to hear directly from the people who are making the decision. They've heard from Paul Christ. They've heard from Barry Alvarez. They, they trust those guys. They know that, who they are. They see them on a daily basis. They see one another. They, they, they want to hear from the people that they don't get to see. And I think that's important. And I, I know, I, I know that that happens in a lot of jobs or uh, different situations where you don't necessarily get that, but, but in this situation, this is these kids' livelihoods, there's their future. So I think I would be pissed and I would want it too. If I was him, I know I was thoroughly impressed by Wake Forest's uh, president, 
who, while this was all going on, came and candidly spoke to the team just in the right before a practice, talked to them about what he was seeing, what he was thinking and everything. And, and that's that's a really good look for for him. And it also it, it helps the players like just to know, hey, here's this person who is taking time out of their busy day to come talk to us about it and understanding that, hey, we're a big part of this as well and that we should be getting some sort of understanding of what's going on as we we have such an impact on this university that has felt much more than just the average student who um, pays tuition, room and board and, and goes to their, you know, poli sci 104 class. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there that uh, there's there's a lot of people that are impacted by this, no doubt, but the, the players uh, can't be just shrugged off by by some of these uh, higher up. So it'd be interesting to see if if there's some comments from from other people and other parties to to kind of give them the answers that they deserve. And if so, you know, uh, will it be available to everyone? I don't know. But uh, the players have put in a lot of work, so they deserve some of these answers. They deserve to be talked to and, and told to face to face. So I'm uh, really interested uh, in in that and in that regard. All right, we'll go ahead and kick it over to the Eric Burrell interview now. Um, he was uh, very candid in the way he spoke, and we'll go ahead and break that one down. We'll get into He kind of just uh, talked about the reaction of everything and, and what's going on. So uh, here's the first clip, and uh, we'll go from Um, Honestly, it's very tough. Never in a million years you thought this situation would come down to this. Um, so I was very surprised. Because at the end of the day, everybody knows it's a business. So I honestly thought, like they said at the beginning of it, it's like they were going to try their hardest, you know, and it just really came to an end. So it was very frustrating, you know, and it's just I I get it and I don't get it. You know what I mean? So it's like I think as a university at Wisconsin, I think we followed the 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 protocols and did the right things that we we were very precautious like we were doing everything we were supposed to and we haven't had any positives in weeks so like I get that side of it but then you're talking about everybody as a whole in the Big Ten I think just with the the history that we had with the the positives and at other universities so I understand that side of it so it's like it's a lose-lose you know what I mean so it's very tough and I think it's a big decision for the commissioner um, so at the end of the day, um, I think football is, you know, it's, it, it's second to none. So it's whatever, whatever we can do to continue to keep doing whatever we got to do. And then when the time's right, um, when it's safe to play and we'll, we'll be ready. So in that one, I think Eric Burrell, you can tell is, is not more cheery about it. There's no way he's happy about the decision, but you, you can hear that he, he kind of talks about an understanding. Um, you know, he, he knows that. This is a business and there's there's a lot of things that go into it and Wisconsin was doing it right and, and didn't have any any cases really, but not every school was having that. So he was understanding, but it's still you could sense the the frustration in, in his comments. So what did you uh, make of that first one from Eric Burrell? Yeah, I think like Van Lannan, he also shared his unhappiness with the decision from the conference and, and his frustrations from everything and the uncertainty of where it came from, especially when you look at the timeline of how everything went down. Um, but I thought I thought really both players talked about having um, trying to be positive about it. Um, Eric was was talked a little bit more about that, um, but both players brought it up that, you know, they just need to move on and make the best out of the situation. Um, they used both use the mantra control what you can control. Uh, that was said by both players. So I'm, I'm sure they have heard that uh, in the meeting rooms from uh, the coaches. That sounds like something that uh, Paul Chris would definitely say. So, um, but that, you know, I, I think it's, it's pretty telling when Burrell later on goes on and, and talks about the fact that, you know, he, he thought about uh, what does it look like if you're, if you're going to transfer and everything right now and doing research with it, because this is their last hurrah. And, and he wants that he's been on campus for five years. Um, and, and really, I mean, he's going, he would, will be going for um, another degree. He already has uh, a, uh, 
undergrad. He's going to be getting his master's in December. And if, if he sticks around for the, for a spring or he he's would be looking at adding to that, which, which is a lot of schooling. He's, he's at the point where he's like, Hey, I want to get started with my life too. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's hard because he wants to play in the spring. He wants to be here and he's frustrated by what's happening because this was, he had planned everything in his life to this, you know, these past five years, he's worked to this point where he is the, you know, the starter, the unquestioned starter, one of the team leaders. And I, I understand why he'd be pissed. Yeah, it's it's very understandable for a, a player, any any level and in, in any grade. But a guy like him who uh, is coming back, a captain of the team, uh, poised to have a, a season that uh, – would would really you know had came off a great junior season you know we're not even talking about the football aspect of it came off a great junior season was expected to be probably an all Big Ten player uh, in a senior season and then that's all kind of uh, wiped away at least for the time being so um, to have any sort of positivity in his voice and understanding is is surprising in that but I think he he did a good job of of being honest being understanding and also expressing his frustration and not just accepting the answers for what they were so. Uh, I, I think Eric Burrell was was very well spoken uh, on that matter. All right, we'll go into this next one because, like I said, we haven't talked about the actual football of the team, but it sounds like from uh, this clip that that things were going well on the football field, the practice field. You know, Eric Burrell said he was is really happy to be back and and be in the situation before everything kind of happened. So uh, we'll uh, pipe that one in and then we'll talk about it. It's tough, man. Honestly, um, it's definitely tough uh, just going through this. And, you know, like Cole said, you, it's very frustrating. But at the end of the day, you got to be optimistic about it. You got to be positive and just keep doing uh, keep doing what you're you're doing, you know, get ready because the season uh, they can come up with a game plan. And we, we got to be ready for that. But I mean, there's nothing we can really do. It's literally out of our control. Um, so coach is giving us uh, some free time to go home and enjoy family. I think that's the right thing to do, you know, because it's, it's literally taking ca- candy from a baby. So it's very tough and uh, just trying to adjust to that, you know. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. And there's nothing you can do on it. You can't dwell on it. You just got to move forward and whatever's come our way, you know, we just got to keep fighting. Well, again, uh, talks about at the end of the day, got to be optimistic, which I I applaud him for um, because I know and maybe other players aren't. But I I don't think I could be optimistic uh, about this as a player who's who's essentially had my season taken away. But uh, when you look at it, you know, he talks about the the team being really crisp and and having good practices and and things going well for him, uh, which is one of the more frustrating parts of this. Uh, Of course, there's bigger things and things to worry about. But this team was was supposed to be so talented and, and good, so it it sucks for everybody that had their season taken away. But especially, you know, Wisconsin was was poised to do something well, and it sounds like things were really cl- clicking in practice uh, before it before it went away. So clearly, the team is is feeling this decision. But what did you make of uh, that second comment? Yeah, I mean, him him saying everything was going our direction mm-hmm. is. It, it, just, it's telling about what, what he's thinking. Uh, he, he, he referenced earlier talking about how he was talking to Paul Christ when he got on the field and he was like, damn, this feels good to be out here because they hadn't had that, you know, to be out there and really play and, and saying both players talked about how they liked the direction everything was heading and that they, they thought that this was, you know, one of the best teams that they'd been on. And, uh, you know, obviously small sample size, but, but that's that's usually a good indication. Players aren't just going to um, shoot rainbows all the time here, and, and are sometimes their biggest critics. And so, I think it's it's telling that they really were looking towards the season. You look at two team leaders who are telling you, hey, there was a, a lot of really positive momentum going for us, and it was kind of a you know a shot to the stomach for them. Yeah, definitely a gut punch uh, for a lot of those guys that, uh, you know, if, if things are going well in practice and you're ready to play and then uh, that the rug kind of gets pulled out from under you, it has to be uh, a really tough pill to swallow. Um, all right, and that kind of leads into our last one. So we'll go ahead and we'll play it. But this one, he, he kind of talks about, you know, even further about the team clicking, um, about just 
everything kind of going well and uh, you know how the, the future will be impacted uh, with this team and, and what he thinks uh, as they go forward into this uh, spring season? Yeah, um, I think Monday is like, I, I told Coach Chris at the Indy uh, drills, I'm like, damn, it feels good to be back here, man. It's just exciting. You can feel the energy, you can feel the music. It, literally everything was going our way. And I'm like, you live to fight another day. That's That was our motto, just keep going day by day by day. And when the opportunity presents itself, uh, we just got to be ready, man. It's just Tuesday comes around. I'm like, all right, it's getting closer. I'm, I'm seeing the, the votes and stuff, all that stuff. And get in, you go on Twitter. You see literally everything, everybody tweeting, and we're like, oh, man. So now it's like, all right, when is that time coming? They said there was a meeting. Okay, it got pushed back. Okay, now they're saying, oh, it's at 5 o'clock p.m. It's like, oh, man. So now they're just playing the mind games with you. You're not really sure. They're keeping you out of the loop. So it's literally a couple of guys that's in that meeting, and, you know, it, it just sucks to find out on Twitter. So it's it's very frustrating, you know. But for those two 48 hours, man, I, I – I think the, the group we have, man, had a blast on the field. You know, when you get off the field, maybe that's a different ball game. But during practice, man, we was having fun, flying around, making plays. So that, that was very fun and exciting since we've been off for that long. So in this one, you can you can definitely hear that, that again, things were going well. He was excited to be back on campus. Uh, he kind of walks you through the, the 48 hours of the decision and uh, – uh, another point to consider in that comment is that he, he expresses kind of the frustration of, of lack of details and, and from uh, the the higher ups that way. So what did you make of uh, that one, which is kind of a, a comment that encapsulates everything that that happened in the 48 hours and, and how the team was going and, and how they kind of move forward? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. <laughs> It's just one of those things where the team was literally on the practice field earlier in the morning. Then they found out it was canceled. They they came, uh, you know, they had a meeting just right before everything went down. So it's just it's it's hard. It's 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 got to be hard. I can only imagine um, how both of them were feeling. Uh, you know, it's tremendous uh, composure by both of them both really smart uh, people and they will succeed uh, in, in whatever they end up wanting to do with their lives. Most likely both are going to have NFL futures, but, but really, you know, to, to see um, for them and their teammates, everything kind of just kind of brushed aside is, is tough. It is. It really is. And uh, I, I think at the end of the day to encapsulate both, Van Lannan and and Burrell's comments. The the one main storyline is that they're frustrated. They're looking for answers. They're they're hoping to move forward with this spring season and and try to be positive. But it's hard for them uh, at the end of the day to to be that and and move forward. But hopefully they can and hopefully they can get a spring season. I think both of them have, have bought into the idea. If the details are in place um, you know, to really get to get that under their belt and, and move forward. And hopefully they can uh, keep their fingers crossed and uh, the big 10 can come to a decision and, and, and make this work because these guys deserve to, to have their, their final moments, their senior days uh, at camp Randall. They don't deserve to have that taken away. So hopefully they consider the players, consider the feelings of those. I know there's a lot of factors involved uh, on the medical side, but that has to count for something. Eric Burrell and Cole Van Lannan's frustration along with the rest of the team has to count for something. So hopefully they can find a way to make that work. Yeah. And, uh, we, but like, like they said, they just, they both want a spring season and they're both are uh, game to play. So I think that's pretty big because there's going to be other programs that if there is a spring season, aren't going to necessarily have some of those leaders coming back. They'll be, they'll be prepping for the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, you got to be happy that both of them have, have kind of bought into that and, and are wanting to play because we've already seen some players. So I'll know, you know, f- no flack to them for this. We've some seen some players kind of opt out already. So it'll be, uh, it'll be good to see that Wisconsin kind of has their guys all uh, in the same message and, and, and same wavelength that way. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another edition of the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed the, the comments from these two, as well as the news. I know we had a lot that we touched on, uh, but it was a lot of fun, and hopefully you guys enjoyed it just as much as we did. We really like uh, 
giving you, again, audio uh, directly from the source um, from both athletic director Barry Alvarez and Paul Christ and, and Cole Van Land and Eric Burrell on the players because we can comment on, on what they might be thinking, but it's better to hear directly from them as well. So, all right, guys, we'll be back with you later in the week. And as always, on Wisconsin.